T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. The whole country just, I mean, in its grip. Everybody is watching the Alec Murdaugh trial here to talk to us about it is local attorney rob inario good morning rob good morning rob good morning tara okay so um and any observations for us from yesterday what we can expect for today oh i think we're going to have more of the same uh dick harputlian has been doing a fantastic job of cross-examination poking a lot of holes in the quality of the investigation um so far, he's coming out the gates the strongest, I would say. Yeah, I mean, I got to say yesterday, he... All right, I'm not a lawyer. You are. My impression, correct me if I'm wrong, was that he absolutely tore apart the sled witness. I mean, to the point that the state law enforcement, to the point that it at least was embarrassed. I was embarrassed for her. I mean, you've got um, law enforcement officers just walking through the crime scene, tracking blood everywhere. You've got blood um, near the, the the dead wife um, on the you know on the vehicle. That's they just didn't bother to test. They didn't bother to test the pool of water around the sun. Um, I mean, just you're just I, I don't know. I've covered court for years. I, I I've never seen anything like this. Um, can you? And Harputlian, I mean, you knew he was going to take the ball and run it up the field with that, and he did. Absolutely, he did. Um, and I, I do feel for, for the sled investigator. I know she was doing the best that she could in sure. a confusing situation. But as attorneys, um, you know, we attack the investigation. And now he's opened up the door to a two-shooter possibility um, or a two-gunman possibility, I should say, or somebody else as the shooter. Um, what I think is going to be really interesting is seeing how the cell phone evidence unfolds. Because in the discovery process, we as attorneys, we get a lot of the raw data. And sometimes we get the analysis, but very rarely will the prosecution connect all of the dots for us to go through and fight. That's the ace up their sleeve. So I'm curious to see how Alex or Dick is going to reconcile Alex's statement that he was napping and then went to go see his father and didn't, wasn't around Jamie or uh, wasn't around Maggie or um, Paul. And well, there's a Snapchat video that sure seems to indicate he was around them and some other little things with the case. Um, Maggie has some text messages supposedly that indicate she was going to Moselle in order to see her father-in-law. So if that's the truth and that's in the text messages, why didn't Alex take her to go see his father instead of going to go see his mother by himself? 
So there's still a whole heck of a lot to come out that I think is going to be difficult for Dick to overcome based upon what we know now. And, you know, just reading the whole thing, I'm, I felt like going into the trial, I had a pretty good idea of what happened. And now I'm kind of, I mean, I have more questions now after a couple of days than before. Here's the um, really disturbing part of the transcript to me. Um, just going back to the state, you've got this um, sled investigator. She's on the, you know, she's on the stand. Dick Harputley and the defense attorney asks, there was a bloody footprint near his that turned out to be law enforcement in the feed room. Ask Harputlian. Yes, she says. She agrees. The sled investigator. Is that preservation of the scene to your standards? Not exactly, she replied. Okay. No prosecutor ever wants to hear this in a courtroom. No. No. Defense attorneys love to hear that, though. Yeah. And then he asks her, uh, should police have been walking through the scene? Excuse me. And she says, no. Mm Mm-hmm. Do you, do you know what other evidence they might have destroyed? No, that's right. You don't, said Harputley. And so, bam, right there. Um, but you're right. Um, he's got a lot of other things to overcome. Anything we should be looking for today, Robin Ario? Um, today, I think they're going to get more into um, the sled examiner that was on the stand yesterday who entered in um, or um, testified as to the foundation for all of the other firearms that were admitted. I think the prosecution's theme of yesterday was that the Murdochs had ready access to a number of firearms, including those used in this crime. I think Dick's argument is going to be, you know, a number of people could have had access to the firearms just because, let's say that the gun did come from the Murdoch household. Who's to say it wasn't the gun that Paul had stolen a couple of years earlier? Or who's to say somebody didn't go in the house and grab one while Alex was napping? And Dick's going to come up with a whole bunch of possible theories that they can't exclude as for how somebody may have gotten a firearm that was a Murdoch firearm or Murdoch ammunition. And we're probably also going to hear about the commonality of that particular brand of ammunition that they were using. Do you think it's enough? I mean, you you talked about there's stuff that Dick Harpoolian's not going to be able, the defense attorney, to explain either. Do you think that's enough? How does this sound to you? Um, you know, there's always, with a juror, a juror can latch on to that one detail yep. that creates the reasonable doubt. So right now the timeline is a big issue. Um, there's been another stink made in the pretrial motions about the shirt and the spatter analysis that was done. Um, I think that's going to end up being a double-edged sword because they um, now no longer have the shirt. They will probably not be entering it into evidence. And Alex told the sled investigator that he had touched Paul, checked him for a pulse, yet there was no sign or blood or anything. So I think if Alex did indeed do it, he went from being too dirty um, to be anybody but the killer to being too clean to be anybody but the killer. I know. That that guy, I mean, I was confused by that. Um, on the other hand, though, you have Dick Harpooley, and I mean, to me it's devastating when your own blood spatter expert files a preliminary report saying, nah, not blood spatter from a shooting. Nah, it wasn't. And then does a complete 180 in the final report. Actually, now that I think about it, it was blood spatter. And the shirt is destroyed, so the defense can't test it. Mm-hmm. What, what do you well, think the jury is going to make of that? Um, I don't know if the jury's going to hear about that in the courtroom. Judge Newman uh, took the ruling under advisement and said he would revisit it. 
and it's going to be up to the prosecution to decide whether or not they wish to enter that. And if they do, they open up the door to all the discrediting. Now, with that said, um, Dick Harputlian is both a lawyer and a politician, and he knows how to appease the people. And that's, I think, why he filed some of the motions that he did, knowing that the motion over the blood spatter would generate publicity. It would be out there, and he sort of seeded the jury pool before they were ever drawn. Hmm. So um, rest of the week, Robin Ario, what should we look for? Um, my, my hunch is that they're going to spend the next couple of days entering in a bunch of bunch more evidence. The ones that I really want to see are the cell phone data. Yeah. And supposedly Cousin Eddie is going to be testifying, and his attorney has said that it's going to be relevant and it's going to be shocking. Hmm. Um, I don't know what content his testimony will have and how much credibility he will have, but he has the potential to blow this case out of the water for either side. So we don't know yet. Is Do you know if he's pro Alec Murdoch or against him, or we don't know yet? My understanding is that he is going to be testifying against Alec. Okay. It'll be, it'll be fun to watch. We have to remember they say this trial is going to be three weeks, and we're getting on to day five. Yeah. We saw maybe a third of the way through it. The testimony I can't wait to hear, I don't know about you, Rob, is um, Buster Murdoch. Yes. Um, the son, the, the living son. Um, I think he's probably going to be testifying on behalf of his father, but it'll be curious to hear the state of the household. Um, yesterday it came to light that Alex said he and Maggie were getting along fantastically and never had any issues, but we've also heard – They've been living separate for a number of months. She was at the Edisto house. He was at Moselle, and it sounds like there was a separation. Um, the thing that America would love is if Alex took the stand, and then he is subject to cross-examination by the attorney general's office. And we're going to see a, a lot of interesting things because he's not a typical defendant. He's a lawyer. He understands how the jury works. He understands how to appeal to a jury. And any good lawyer has a little bit of a theatrical actor in them. You know, we have the hellfire and brimstone closing arguments, the you can't handle the truth type of things. And Alex knows how to work that jury. So if he takes the stand, I think it's going to be beneficial, but he's going to be taking the great risk of cross-examination. And inconsistency is the death knell of credibility. He's got some inconsistencies in his statements that he's going to have to reconcile and I think Dick can cast a reasonable doubt, but Alex is the only one that can explain those things away. I'm no legal expert, but if I were Alec Murdoch, I wouldn't go anywhere near that stand. That's just me. I'd just let Dick Harputlian try to create as much confusion as possible. Would, if you were the lawyer here um, for Alec Murdoch, what would you tell him about testifying? Um, that, that is a tough call. When we do criminal defense, it's just like a sport. We're reactionary. We react to what the offense is doing. Many times I've gone into a trial with a game plan. You know, For example, on the roadside, the police officer is a real jerk, and I'm going to work with that. Going into trial, I'm going to show that he's a jerk. I'm going to make it seem like he rushed to a conclusion. And then this officer happens to testify as Sheriff Taylor from Mayberry. He's just good for the people, totally different demeanor. Um, and we have to modify our plan accordingly. So I think that they have Alex prepared to testify. They're going to wait and see what happens and how Dick's cross-examination of all the witnesses goes. But at some point, 
they're going to have to reconcile the inconsistencies in Alex's statement, either through casting discrepancies upon the cell phone data and his timeline in showing that the forensics is more of an educated guess than exact science, or they're going to have to put Alex up. And I understand you said you would never testify. You're not an egomaniac. <laughs> this is a guy that is very, very confident in himself. Humility is something that I don't think he knows. Humble is not a word in his vocabulary. So I think he's going to be confident enough to go on the stand and do it. Uh, hopefully he's smart enough to let Dick make that decision based upon how the cross-examination and the rest of the defense's case goes. We'll see, uh, Robin Ario. I hope you'll be back um, to break down some more of what happens this week. Robin Ario, local Defense attorney, if you need a defense attorney, Rob, is available. Thanks for joining us this morning. You're welcome, Tara. Thanks. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. New York Post flat out says it this morning. I don't know if you agree. Talking about donors. The Trump donations are drying up because they don't think that Trump can win. Perhaps not even against a weakened Joe Biden. I I don't know, folks, but my big frustration uh, with Trump is just literally watching him shoot himself in the foot over and over and over again. When he shoots himself in the foot... It's frustrating to watch him, um, but it's really frustrating for us. His numbers seem to have rebounded a little bit after the uh, Kanye West anti-Semitic white supremacist debacle at Mar-a-Lago, which was almost inexplicable. But to me, if, if, if I was coming through South Carolina and I was giving a speech pledging to go after the rhinos, you know, Republicans who are really Democrats, I like would not do that with Lindsey Graham standing behind me and laughing. That would not be a thing. I, I think this audio clip says it all, honestly. This is Trump, and he's pledging to go after the rhinos in the swamp. This is a guy, Trump, who endorsed Mitch McConnell in the primary in Kentucky, gave us Mitch McConnell back. He is the single least popular politician by polling on the Hill, even less popular than Nancy Pelosi. He is now our leader. That is a disaster. How did he get there? 
Well, uh, Donald Trump endorsed him in the primary. How did Mitch McConnell pay Ronald by pay Donald Trump back with a knife in the back? Refusing to condemn the FBI raid on Mar-a-Lago, uh, giving the FBI not only a raise afterward, but additional budget to go after Trump and January 6th protesters in the omnibus bill. When you understand, Lindsey Graham is standing behind Trump less than a month ago on the stage in Columbia. Less than a month ago, Lindsey Graham voted with Mitch McConnell for the Democrat Chuck Schumer budget. And in the Democrat Chuck Schumer budget was a uh, hundred million dollar budget raised for the FBI, a brand new headquarters and extra funds to go after uh, Trump and January Sixers. That money will be used, uh, no doubt, on prosecution for Trump. Relating to January 6th, he'll then have to pay money to defend. It hasn't even been a month. Well, it's been about a month, I would say. Pretty close, right right on the edge. Of Lindsey doing that to Trump. And he has Lindsey on stage behind him standing there. As he pledges to get rid of the rhinos. Not just rhinos who are wrecking us financially. And that's what Lindsey Graham did. He got together with Mitch McConnell to ram through the Democrats' horrific budget. We still don't know all the details of what's in it. I think we're going to be horrified by it. To ram it through so that the Republicans who took over the House couldn't put their budget through instead. And in the process, absolutely stabbing Trump in the back. I mean, what Lindsey did is going to cost Trump millions of dollars personally. Just in defense. And yet he has Trump. Trump has Lindsey standing behind him. And I'm sitting here going, you, you're just not going to learn. Um, you're, you, you can picture this. Uh, picture Lindsey laughing, because he was, as Trump says this in Colombia. The 2024 election is our one shot to save our country, and we need a leader who is ready to do that on day one. We need a fighter who can stand up to the left, who can stand up to the swamp, stand up to the media, stand up to the deep state. Am I allowed to say stand up to the rhinos, too? I think we can say that. I think we can say that. Uh, sir, look, I love Donald Trump, you know that. But the guy behind you just gave the deep state the funding to go after you. So, I mean, I get these texts. Uh, Ron DeSantis apparently just had a, um event and he had uh, Jeb Bush. That's, that's not a good sign. I mean, I agree with you guys. But don't excuse him for that. That's madness. That is absolute, that is complete self-destruction and total madness. Lindsey Graham should be nowhere near Donald Trump after that. That was absolute betrayal. And yet he can't see it. Or won't see it or doesn't care or supports the swamp. Now, I mean, I don't I don't know. I mean, he just campaigned for Kevin McCarthy um, against the Republicans, the MAGA Republicans who were trying uh, to stop McCarthy from bankrupting the country. And we won. McCarthy is on a very short leash and in a straitjacket right now because any Republican in that caucus can call for his removal. So Kevin McCarthy is actually acting like a Republican now. Trump was the guy trying to get him through with no preconditions. We'd, we'd already have a debt ceiling hike, and we'd be talking about amnesty if Trump got his way. This is not going to work. He was a great president. He was a great financial president, but this is not going to work. And look, I'd like to tell you we have the perfect alternative. I don't know, but I know this won't work. Never mind the, the problems with, with Trump's negatives which are massive i mean you put trump up against any other democrat he goes down in flames in a legitimate election that's why they're trying to get joe biden out of the way 
That's why they want Trump back on Facebook. They're like, no, take your accounts back. Keep talking. Do you have another white supremacist coming in Mar-a-Lago? Go ahead and uh, tweet about that, right? Yes, right here. Yeah, go ahead and post on Facebook. Yes, let us all know. The left would never let Trump back if he if he wasn't in such a bad place right now with the self-inflicted gaffes that they think Trump talking to people will help them. That's where we are. But right there, that exhibit A, why I just I can't support him anymore. I I just can't watch the self-destruction of it. You sit in traffic? Maybe you shouldn't do that. New study, but it might be making you dumber. Okay, the good news is it's temporary, they think. What is it? Exhaust. Researchers found, researchers found exhaust from cars, big trucks on the road. Could be breaking your brain, at least temporarily. Found when uh, adults breathe in diesel fumes, they scan their brains. All the people volunteer to do it. The MRI MRI results showed lower functional connectivity in the brains, meaning they couldn't think as clearly because different parts of their brains weren't communicating well. Um, So, yeah. Um, And this, the the conditions here weren't just driving. So, I mean, if you're going to go, you know, make a Walmart run at lunch or something, and that's not going to do that to you. It's the idling. It's the sitting in actual bumper-to-bumper traffic. So they're saying that two hours of sitting in traffic a day could have a noticeable effect on the brain power short term. They don't know if it causes ongoing issues. Um, But you're exposed to those fumes every day if you're sitting in traffic. Now, um, the effects were detectable at two hours. I mean, if you've got a 15-minute community, either way, it doesn't say if that's going to affect you long term. But something to think about if you're maybe thinking about, you know, working from home or you have an option to to do that. Here's something else to think about. Not only are food prices going through the roof this year, according to the USDA, so is gasoline. It's going back up to $4. Look, that that whole SPR release thing, that was just to get the Democrats through the midterms able to pretend that, that the gas prices were temporary. Now that the midterms are over and they have secured the Senate, they're not pretending anymore and they're going back to their plan, which is to jack gas prices through the roof so you won't drive. Don't look now, says the Hill, but gas prices are heading back up. Gas Buddy predicting the national average could hit $4 again by March. And the price for a gallon of regular is up more than 13% nationally over the last month. They're saying some states have seen prices increase nearly a dollar per gallon this month alone. So, no relief in sight of any kind. Great time to just, you know, not sit in traffic, traffic not idle. Um, because it's, it's all coming back. Meanwhile, Joe Biden has a solution for you. Did you see what he tweeted? You should buy an EV. Yeah, I mean, you get a 75% tax credit. So uh, 700, excuse me, $7,500 tax credit. So why don't you just go buy an EV? It'll be, it, like, like this one. And he tweets a picture of himself in the EV. The EV he tweeted himself, a, you know, in, in a picture of $110,000. Okay. The median household income right now is $70,000 for Americans. 
So that car is more than the median household income. And by the way, do you know why the median household income is so high now? This is fascinating. Because so many adults are moving back in together. And that makes sense because rents have gone through the roof. So if your lease ends, what, your your landlord's going to jack the rent and anywhere else you look for is going to be high. So what do you do? You move back in with mom and dad. Well, now your household income is up. So literally we're seeing incomes, household incomes go up. The Democrats celebrate, but that's only because other adults are moving in to the house. (sighs) Anyway, Uh, it's nuts. Uh, It looks like uh, Biden began the new year, by the way, by freeing thousands of criminal illegal immigrants. He has released, are you ready for this? This is nuts. Um, more than 1,200 illegal aliens into the interior. They had them in, in, in custody. Illegal aliens, mind you, with pending criminal charges. What does this mean? They're wanted. They've got charges filed. They haven't been tried yet, but they're wanted. They're wanted in different states. We had them in custody, and we let them go. They don't even have a right to be in this country. At a minimum, we should hold them so they can be tried and then deported. These releases of illegal aliens from Department of Homeland Security custody are in addition to the um, roughly 2 million border crossers who've been freed into the U.S. interior through the southern border since Joe Biden took office. Uh, for a total with the gotaways and the got-throughs of between 5 and 6 million. It's uh, the, the numbers are staggering. So, I mean, we're not even pretending anymore. We, you know, would at least pretend under Obama we would pick up the criminals to make it look like we we're trying. He's not even trying. If you're a criminal pending charges, um, you know, it's illegal for you to be here. That's the other half of the criminals they released. They had past charges, were convicted, did prison time and were deported. It is a crime for them to return and they're doing it anyway. And we're like, yeah, whatever, just stay. Here, you want a luxury hotel room in New York? Meanwhile, showdown, I can't wait to see how this ends. Showdown in New York, the luxury hotel where the illegals were staying and trashing is kicking them out. The mayor found a new place for the illegals to go. It's um, like a cruise ship um, kind of retainment area that they've made into housing. Illegals don't want to leave the luxury hotel. I I wouldn't either. Luxury hotel in New York, like I'll never stay there. And so they refuse to get on the buses. Well, the hotel wasn't wanting them back, and so they locked the doors, and the illegals were trying to get back into the hotel. They refused to get on the bus. They called the police, try to make it, but, I mean, they're illegals, so you can't, I mean, you can't rough-hand them or anything. So what happens? Well, it's a showdown. So you got the illegal immigrant activists out there saying, no, I mean, these people are royalty. I mean, they're our future voters. They deserve to be in the luxury hotel so they can trash it again. The illegals are like, we're, I mean, we are entitled to a certain standard of living. All will Americans go broke, which is what the big news story is this morning. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do with the, do they let the illegals, what do you want to bet they let the illegals back in the hotel? What do you want to bet? I bet they do. What are you going to force them into accommodations that they, they have not grown accustomed to? Let me ask you a question. Have you ever stayed in a luxury hotel in New York? Have you ever done that? My dad and I took like the big, trip to New York when I was a teenager. We saw an off-Broadway play. It was so cool. I still remember it. And we stayed in this like tiny little hotel. 
Because New York, I mean, luxury hotel. I mean, that's like a walk-up apartment, you know. But they furnish it nice. You're staying in a luxury hotel in New York? Of course you didn't. You can't afford it. We stayed in a nice one, but it wasn't a luxury hotel. But I'm not an illegal immigrant, so I mean, you know. Meanwhile, Joe Biden saying no for now. This will change. To sending F-16 fighter jets to Ukraine. As they demand long-range missiles so they can blow up Russian cities. Joe Biden's got a promise. The left wants to go to war in Ukraine. They do. They want to wipe out Vladimir Putin. Just once and for all, so we won't meddle in our democracy anymore. They have no idea the Russians didn't meddle in our democracy or use bots or anything or Russian disinformation. That was all the FBI and the CIA and the NSA, as we learned from this week's Twitter files. They made the whole thing up. Russians weren't doing anything. No bots, nowhere. And Twitter knew it. They didn't say anything. They let the Washington Post and the New York Times run all these fake stories about Russian influence. It didn't happen. So what does the intel community do? It's actually kind of brilliant. They fake Russian disinformation, fake the Russia hoax against Donald Trump, and then fake Russian interference in our elections, then turn around and use that as a justification to censor what? Russian disinformation. But the 644 accounts they claim were the Russian bots, they weren't. They were Americans. We learned that from Twitter this week. So that that whole, like what, two to three years of heavy reporting about Russian influence, Russian disinformation, it was all fake. None of it was real. And we know that from the Twitter files this week. You know what I wonder? They have now a major lying narrative for every election. The FBI does, the CIA, the NSA. What is their lie, big lie, going to be for 2024, do you think? I I don't know. Are they going to roll out another strain of COVID after Pfizer develops it in the lab? Or, or, you know, maybe it's going to be what? World War Three with Russia, can't leave your home, better cast your at ballot by absentee or something we haven't even seen yet. I can't wait. And it'll be as fake as anything else and half the country will fall for it all over again. Oh, dear. Listener taking issue with me, your humble host, on the text line. Let's hear it. Talking about how I said that the deep state has faked. Come up uh, with three big fake narratives uh, for our previous elections. Texter writes, hey, Tara, people really died from COVID. It was not fake. Please, you're going out on too much of a rail here. It was a rare, it was a real disease. It might not have been natural. I don't think it was, but it's real. People are dead from COVID. Well, that is absolutely true. No, I have no quarrel with that. And I've said as much. It's just that 90% of people who died of COVID did not. So it was the other 10%. But let me tell you how it's fake. See, look right here, right here. Here we go. I'm going to pull this back up because it's fascinating. I need to do a podcast on this how they're admitting all their lies on COVID. The headline in the piece that you should read, sir, is it's on CNN.com. We are overcounting COVID deaths and hospitalizations. That's a problem. It was written by Dr. Leanna Wen, um, the commentator, COVID commentator for CNN, who acknowledged, quote, ready for this? 90% of patients diagnosed with COVID are actually in the hospital for some other illness. They faked the deaths. I told you that. 
year and a half ago. What, what does that mean? If 90% of the COVID deaths are fake, this wasn't a pandemic. This wouldn't, it, wouldn't hit the, it wouldn't have hit the threshold. What was this? It's deadly. About as deadly as a common cold, just like I said in the beginning. I mean, don't take it up with me. It's not me, it's CNN. I'm not, I mean, that you take it up with them. What's a common cold kill a year? 40 to 60? 1,000? Yeah, it's a cold. Acted just about like a cold did, and it was certainly deadly, as was the cold that killed my mother. But it wasn't a pandemic of the uh, epic proportions they made it out to be. Again, that's CNN, not me. And now we know that the deep state was the gatekeeper, that the FBI censored and acted as the gatekeeper at Twitter. We know that from Twitter files uh, for Health and Human Services Department, for the CDC and the FDA. And they censored people who said exactly this, the deaths were fake. It's actually kind of fascinating. I learned from their coverage, um, they were swabbing the noses of, de- of corpses that came in from car accidents. So you're, I mean, tragically dead, you've run into a tree, he died. Um, and they're swabbing your nose and counting you as a COVID death if they can get a positive test. Now CNN should do the other part. The PCR test had a 90% false, na- false positive. PCR tests were useless. That's what a, the Supreme Court of Brazil found and said, no, you cannot use them to do lockdown. So eventually they're going to admit that too. But this is pretty powerful. 90% of the COVID deaths weren't. Again, CNN, Dr. Leanna Wynn. Take it up with her, not me. So... I don't think I'm too out of bounds here by saying COVID was, was, was faked. It was a cold that was hyped to an extreme degree. I think it was a manufactured cold because they needed a new one we, didn't, we hadn't seen before. But yeah, it was, it was a control mechanism. That's right. People uh, did die from COVID, and I don't dispute that. It's just 90% of people who we were told died of COVID did not. And that had a profound effect on the election, on the economy, on everything. And it was, a de- it was, it was absolutely... A deep state fake narrative enforced by the FBI and the CDC and the FDA hand in hand through censorship. So checkmate. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 